Well, I don't, I don't know about you, but sometimes I, musicals seem really weird to me. If you've ever seen a musical on stage or on film, you just are watching this movie, and all of a sudden people just stop what they're doing and start singing. And oftentimes they start singing and dancing. And other people join in that you didn't even know were there, and they start dancing with a choreographed dance, and you just look at them, and you're like, when did you guys practice this? You think about the characters, you're like, do the Jets and the Sharks, do they like get together to practice their moves in order to have this song ready for the moment in the show? And you come to these moments in musicals where everything stops, the action stops, and you sing. You stop and you savor the moment, the emotional importance of the moment in the musical, whether it is Elsa in Frozen singing about the decision that she has made to go off on her own, whether it is the realization of who is Mary Poppins as she comes and sings to the children, or whether it is Valjean or someone like him in Les Mis who is singing about what has happened to him, there are times when we stop and savor the moment, the importance of what is happening, the emotional resonance that something big is going on. And that's what happens here in the Gospel of Luke, in the Christmas stories. The action stops for Mary to sing. That if you're reading through the story here, you don't really need Mary's song. It doesn't add anything to the plot. It doesn't add anything to the action of what's happening in the Christmas story. Rather, all it does is give us a moment to pause. To pause and to savor the moment the gravity of what is happening, not only to Mary, but in the entire world. And so with that in mind, let us stop in the Christmas story and hear Mary savor this moment as she is singing to God. So let us hear our sermon passage this morning from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her, that is Elizabeth, about three months and returned to her home. Let us pray. O holy God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the great privilege of being able to hear your word, the humbling privilege that we have that you, our mighty God, would speak to us. 
And Lord, I ask that you would speak to us today, that you would use me in spite of my own weakness, that your words would go forth from Scripture and that we would hear them and that we would have hearts and minds open and ready to receive and that you, O oh God, would do a good work in us through the Holy Spirit, that we would love Jesus more for hearing Mary's song today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have our song here this morning from Mary, this, this break in the action. And so what I want us to do is to, to think about why this is here. So why do we have a song here? You know, why didn't we have a song from Elizabeth earlier? Why isn't there a song from Gabriel? Why isn't there a song all the time? You know, this musical doesn't seem to have that many musical numbers, but they're coming. So why is Mary singing? And then how does she sing? As in, what kind of song is this? What is the song about? And then really, what does it all mean for us? Okay, so some nearly 2,000 years ago, this, we believe, poor young woman sang a song. So what? What does that mean for us? So if you look, it doesn't specifically say that Mary sang here, but the words written in the passage have a very poetic quality. They sound very much like the Psalms, which were songs. And so we see Mary is also expressing deep emotions and joy. The first word she says, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. That songs are one of the best ways that we express our emotions. And really that's what Mary is doing here. But again, why? Why the song? Well, clearly something has happened to Mary that is not only life-changing but world-changing. And she points to this blessing with three statements, each of which begin with the word for or because in verses 48 and 49. She starts by saying this, For he, that is God, has looked on the humble estate of his servant. So Mary first notices that she does not deserve this blessing. That one commentator observes that Mary knew that she was blessed because of who God was, not because of who she was that Mary is merely a humble servant, unworthy of the blessing of bearing God's own son. This is why she sings. And she goes on to say, For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. The second reason points to the fact that God has changed her life forever. That forever now, Things have changed because of Mary's conception. The whole world knows about Mary and her child and her faith in God. That because of the blessing that God has put in her life, all generations will call her blessed. And she's right. Here we are, 2,000 years later, looking at Mary in her song and saying, how blessed is she? This is why she sings. And then the final reason she gives is this, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. That this is no small gift. He didn't keep her dry in the rain. He didn't give her one meal. He gave her the gift of the miraculous. He gave her his very own son in her womb that she would bear and raise. This is why Mary sings. And as you look at why she sings, we have to reflect and say, Is this not our song as well? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We also sing because we don't deserve God's blessing. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Our lives are changed forever because God has done great things for us. We sing for the same reasons. 
But if you notice, Mary doesn't spend a whole lot of time on herself and on her own blessings. The mentions of me, that is Mary's mentions of herself, are over after verse 49. Her focus becomes the one who has blessed her. You see, there is a difference between look at what God has done for me and look at the God who has done this for me. Look at what God has done for me and look at the God who has done this for me. You can see this at Christmas time. That if you see someone opening a gift, all you have to do is look and see how quickly their eyes move from the gift to the giver. Are they immediately ready to give thanks, to look up at the one who gave them the gift and say, thank you, this is wonderful. Are they thankful for the gift or do their thanks move towards the giver? See, Mary focuses more on the giver than the gift But her focus goes beyond mere thankfulness. Yes, she is thankful, but her thankfulness moves her to praise. That Mary is moved to magnify the Lord. Just like Hannah in our Old Testament reading, Mary does not look down at her child. Mary looks up at her God, the God who did give her her child. And as she does so, she erupts in rich and beautiful praise for her beautiful and mighty God that has given her this gift. And so as you look at Mary's song, some people have looked at it and said, there's no way Mary could have sung this song. This is a beautiful, poetically elaborate, scripture-referencing song. How could a young woman from nowhere have composed this song? Surely a biblical scholar wrote this and just gave it to Mary, that they were the playwright and Mary is simply an actress in this play. But maybe Mary just knew her Bible. Maybe Mary grew up hearing the Scriptures so often, and she found such delight in them that when she needed to praise God, that's what came to her mind. The things that God had done in the past, that Scripture was the tune of her song, and it was the tune that she had been taught from an early age. And so as you look at her song, it is a reflection on what God has done in the past. That throughout this song, the focus is on God and what He has done. If you look throughout the song, the the repeated phrase again and again is, He has, He has, He has, that God has done all these things. That Mary looks to the past at what God has done to make sense of her present and what is coming in the future. And when you start to see all that she's talking about, it centers around this the humble, and the proud. Here's part of Mary's song. He, that is God, has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. She's thinking about how God has worked in the lives of those who are proud and those who are humble. Notice she describes the proud in a few different ways. She starts thinking about the internally proud, those who are arrogant, who think too highly of themselves. They think that they're a big deal. And Mary sings this, He scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. That idea of scattering the proud reminds me of the Tower of Babel story in Genesis 11 where the people decided, let's build a really big tower so people know how cool and impressive and important we are. 
And God sees that and scatters them across the face of the earth. See, though these people's pride is internal, it is an arrogance of pride, an internal pride, God can see their hearts and scatter them, punishing them for exalting themselves. But Mary also thinks about external pride, referring to those people on thrones in positions of authority, presidents, governors, kings, CEOs, and other people in leadership. That throughout history and scripture, God has shown that he brings down those in positions of power who think they rule the world. You can think about Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel, who God sends off of the throne and essentially turns him into a man beast that likes to chew on grass out in the field, truly humbling him for his pride. Mary goes on mentioning the financially proud, the rich. She says that the rich are sent away empty. If you think about the rich, they are people who tend to think, I have nothing that's empty. My pantry is full, my house is full. My garage is full. My bank account is full. And yet God sends them away empty. But how can they be empty if they seem to have everything? Our New Testament reading from Luke 16 helps us to see the answer. The rich man in that parable had a sense of self-assurance, that he thought he had everything in life, and yet he did not have God. And therein lies the problem. That the proud, the powerful, and the rich do not think that they need God, even though he is the one who could take everything they have away. See, earthly pride and riches have a way of sapping our humility so that we no longer feel we need God's help. This pride is so crippling and debilitating that this rich man asks, please send someone, send Lazarus back from the dead to tell my family that this would not happen to them. And Abraham, seemingly very cold, says it wouldn't matter. They are so debilitated that they have not heard the word of God. They're not going to listen to Lazarus, even if he comes back from the dead. And so Mary is talking about how God has dealt with the proud but also the humble. See, the flip side of pride is this humility, and Mary sings from a position of her own humility. She's an unknown young woman of no importance, and she's received God's greatest blessing, that God loves to exalt those of a humble estate as he did with Mary. He loves to fill the hungry with good things like he did for Lazarus, moving him from eating crumbs that fell off the table to being at the very side of Abraham in heaven. He likes to give to the desperate and needy like Hannah in our Old Testament reading who cried out saying, please give me what I do not have. See, those who are humble and hungry know that they have need and they must look outside themselves for that need to be fulfilled and so they look to God. Mary is magnifying this God, praising the God who cares for the poor and needy and casts down the proud and the arrogant. And yet, if you look at this, you could kind of read it and see, is God just like the biggest anti-bully in the world? Is he just no more than a Robin Hood who's taking from the rich to give to the poor? Is he someone who's fighting for the 99% against the 1%? Is that really all God's about? God cares more about an economic or a political revolution 
Those are expressions of material hunger and riches, but they point us to a deeper spiritual truth. It's that God desires people who are spiritually hungry and spiritually humble. And yet how God fills the stomachs of the spiritually hungry is not spelled out in this passage. It seems kind of missing. You look at this song, the song that Mary sings, and something is missing. There's no Jesus in this song. We just heard the announcement from the angel Gabriel. We heard all about Jesus and this one who is coming, and Mary stops and sings, and there's not one mention of my son. She mentions that God has done great things for her. That's a very vague way of mentioning it. And yet, Mary doesn't mention this specific blessing. And yet, as she is describing and praising the character of God, she is also describing the character of Jesus, for Jesus is God's own Son. See, Mary's song points us to who God is, and that's exactly what Jesus does. Jesus says, here I am. This is who God is. Jesus came to serve the poor and the humble. He interacted with those people that the rich and powerful thought were beneath them and worthless. Jesus ministered to people who were hungry because they were more likely to be spiritual hungry. He taught those from humble walks of life because he knew that they were more likely to be spiritually humble. He came to the needy because he knew that they knew that they needed a Savior. See, being saved is a really humbling experience when you need help from outside yourself to save you. Whether we need a friend or a family member to bail us out of financial trouble, that's humbling. If we need a lifeguard to jump into the pool and save us because we're in over our heads, that's humbling. Whether we need help on our homework or help helping our kids with our kids' homework, that's humbling. It's humbling to have to say, I cannot do it. I need help. And that humble attitude is exactly what we need to be saved by God. A spiritual humility that says, I am a sinner and I deserve the judgment of God for my sin and it is only with God's help that I can be saved. I can only be saved by someone else because I can't do it myself. And this song points us to the one who can. That thanks be to God that Jesus Christ is our Savior. He's the one who saves the spiritually poor and humble who repent and believe the good news. And so this Christmas season, we are called not to move past the wonder of God's blessing, but rather like Luke does here in his gospel, let us stop and savor what God has done for us. So if you were to stop and reflect this Christmas season in the five seconds you have that is not entirely busy, what would your song be? If you had a moment to stop and sing, what would your song be? How has God blessed you beyond what you deserve? How has God changed you forever? Maybe how has God humbled you when you were proud? Maybe you don't have a song yet. 
Maybe you're only now hearing about Jesus and you don't really understand him, but you're curious, why do we sing about this guy? Why do we get together every Sunday and sing about this Jesus who has saved us? Wherever we are, let us look at what God has done for us this Christmas. But even more importantly than looking at what God has done for us this Christmas, let us look at the God who has done all this for us this Christmas. So let us joyfully praise our God, magnifying his name in song, and let us savor all that we have received in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, we pray that you would fill our hearts and voices with song, songs of praise to our Savior, Jesus. That as we sing, we would not simply think of nostalgia and the the warm, fuzzy feelings that can come with the holidays, but Lord, may it be connected to the one who is the reason we celebrate, our Savior Jesus. Father, we pray that you would help us all to stop and savor the moment, to savor the blessings that we have, so that our hearts fill with joy. Holy Spirit, help us, give us time, and guide our thoughts to point us to Scripture and the truth of Jesus of the light coming into the darkness, the joy coming into the world, Jesus, the one who has come and lived and died and rose again for us. Amen.